Today is October 11th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Fresh off a pretty solid weekend in the sport of boxing, Sebastian Fundora returned to the ring and handedly beat Carlos Ocampo in what was an entertaining fight for the most part. Ocampo, the smaller fighter, seemed to do better at distance, and he kind of gave that distance up. It was a combination of him giving that distance up and Sebastian Fundora pretty much abandoning his jab and saying, I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm just going to throw power shots and see if this guy can really take him. Ocampo did a good job of taking them. Ocampo did last the distance in this fight. He also landed some big shots of his own early in the fight, landed some good body shots and some rights upstairs that I thought affected Fundora pretty significantly early. But Fundora is just a machine. He doesn't stop. He keeps going forward, and he wants to close the distance, and he's a great inside fighter. That's just who he is. Forget the idea of him becoming an outside jabber using that incredible reach advantage that he possesses over everyone else in his division. Will there be moments where he does that? Absolutely. Just like this last fight. He started the fight with that mindset a little bit. He's going to do it. He's going to pull it out here and there, but he will always revert back to who he is. And that is a guy that's going to sit down on his punches. Maybe it's for our entertainment. Maybe he realizes to get the most money in this game, he's going to have a fight, a style that is action-packed, or maybe it's a comfort thing. Maybe that's just what he's more comfortable with. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Whatever the reason is, I'm glad he does it because as a fan, it makes him one of my favorite fighters to watch in the sport. He always delivers fun fights. If he's going to keep doing that, um, it's probably not the best idea for his brain, but it may be the best idea for his bank account. This is a business at the end of the day. These are prize fighters. Get this money while you can. And it seems like Fundora's style is going to bring him plenty of money. And it's not like he's just beating up on bums. He's beating up on top contenders in his division. Ocampo was probably ranked a little bit outside the top 10, if not right at the top 10. But before that, he dismantled Erickson Lubin in a classic battle. And he's in line now for a title shot. Of course, Jamel Charlo holds all the titles at 154. He is fighting Tim Zhu in the beginning of next year. That should be a fun one. And Fundora should be in line for the champion, for the winner of that fight. And that will be an excellent fight either way it goes. Of course, I am of the belief that Jamel Charlo beats Tim Zhu, but I expect it to be a fun one. I'll break that down as we get closer to that date. But right now, we're on the horizon of an incredible weekend in the sport this weekend. This Saturday is a loaded day of boxing from top to bottom it's really all three major platforms delivering fire are you ready to inject these fights deep into your veins because i am this is easily the most loaded saturday we have for the remainder of the year we're already in october now last october we got wilder fury three That was the card of the year, fight of the year. Wilder is returning this October. And he's returning in a big way, figuratively and literally. He's fighting Robert Hellenius, who stands about six foot seven. Massive puncher who has really changed his game a little bit. This is a guy who, if I remember correctly, used to come into fights a little sloppy looking. Um, His last few fights, he's really 
gone into better shape. He ran into a guy named Adam Kalnowski. If you're not familiar with Adam Kalnowski, Kalnowski was a, or is a Polish fighter who Fox Network seemed to take a great liking to because they featured him many times on free television in some main events where they popped a good rating because this guy who doesn't look very impressive in Kanaki, he doesn't look extremely impressive, but he was a guy who threw ton of punches, had pretty good hand speed for a guy his size, and was a come-forward stalker type of fighter who would just love to let his hands go and get involved in these brawls on national television and was winning them mostly by knockout. Well, he ran into Robert Hellenius. Robert Hellenius stopped Kaunatsky in a huge upset. And then in the rematch a year later, which was on the Wilder Fury card, he stopped him again, just pretty much saying this is no fluke. Hellenius came in better shape the second fight and really wasn't even, didn't even make it competitive in the second fight. Hellenius lets his hands go. He throws combinations. He has power in both hands. I think his best punches are the uppercuts from either the left or the right. He also has some sneaky mobility to his game. In other words, he comes off as a brawler, a guy just throwing big power shots, but he can do it from any part of the ring while moving. He could throw it coming forward, or he could throw it backing up. He lets his hands go, that's for sure. And he's not the most defensively responsible person, but at heavyweight, you're not going to find too many, are you? You have... All these divisions where the skill and the defense is on full display. From 112 to 115, all the way up to 175. The heavyweight division stands alone for a reason. These are big human beings throwing with like Superman-like power. You don't see power like this walking down the street. These are the top of the top on the planet. That is why heavyweights always sell the most historically in the recent era, <clears throat> excuse me, in the recent era, the welterweight division and the middleweight division have really come to the forefront from guys like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, uh, now Canelo Alvarez in the middleweight. So you <clears throat> see these smaller guys being the focal point recently. But going back in history, the heavyweights have ruled the land. It is because they deliver something you can only see by them. And that means you're going to see some guys that are taking some huge shots because they don't have the reflexes of the top 130-pounder. As they shouldn't, they're huge. These guys are 6'7". So that is part of the reason I think it's going to be an exciting fight. On the other side of the ring, you have Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder hasn't been in the ring since the Tyson Fury loss. 
We still don't know how that's going to affect him mentally. But one thing we do know is the heavyweight division is not the same without Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is a guy who was the heavyweight champion for five years. And it's pretty safe to say before Wilder came on the scene, the heavyweight division was terrible. It was a disaster. You had Klitschko, and that is it. That is one of the worst times in the heavyweight division. A very, very bland and thin era. Klitschko was a great, as is his brother. I think his brother actually, I think Vitaly is a little bit better than Vladimir, in my opinion. Vladimir had some chin issues, so I take uh, I take Vitaly. But both brothers were great fighters. Don't get me wrong. But besides them, there was not much to look forward to. Then comes along Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder was knocking everybody out. People say they like knockouts. Deontay Wilder was delivering knockout after knockout to every person who stepped in the ring with him. One guy went the distance. That one guy got a rematch and got knocked out. Every man in the ring has been knocked out by Deontay Wilder until he ran into Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, the guy who dethroned Klitschko, then was on a hiatus for many vision, many reasons. You can Google it if, you, if you're really interested or don't know the story. Was on hiatus, challenged Deontay Wilder after he came back and um, had a couple of tune-ups. He challenged Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder accepted when that fight was made, Tyson Fury was an underdog. Many people thought Tyson Fury had absolutely no chance against Deontay Wilder. Don't forget the narrative on the way in. I know things have changed. Hindsight, obviously, after a trilogy, you see what happened. And clearly Tyson Fury was the victor. But... Going into that first fight, Deontay Wilder was a heavy favorite in the public's eyes. So, it's interesting to me how people flip the switch on Deontay Wilder. While he does have a huge fan base, and that's why he's back, he's back by popular demand. His statue was raised in um, his home of Alabama. Had a huge turnout from all over the world. People from that I'm familiar with on Twitter, Chicken Talk, if you know what that is. A lot of people from there went and actually <clears throat> saw the statue in person and talked to Deontay Wilder and told him how much he meant to them. That is why Deontay Wilder's back. So don't get me wrong, he has a huge fan base. But a lot of people who supported him were quick to say, oh, you see, I told you. That guy has no skill. That guy is just a one-punch, lucky punch type of guy. He doesn't. He's not a top fighter. Oh, we knew it. Fickle. Boxing fans are extremely fickle. They pick and choose when it fits, fits the fighter. Take a guy like Devin Haney, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Extremely skilled. One of the most skilled boxers on the planet. A lot of people call him boring. 
Deontay Wilder, one of the most exciting fighters in the history of this sport. You got people nitpicking and criticizing, oh, you know, this guy doesn't have the best skills. Which one is it? Do you want excitement or do you want skill? There's plenty to go around. There's plenty of different fighters to pick and choose from, and you can decide what you want. One thing you can't deny is Deontay Wilder is one of the most exciting fighters in this sport's history. When he is in the ring, chances are someone is getting knocked out. That's the probability here. You can nitpick his skill all you want. Tyson Fury is pretty damn skilled, isn't he? He was dropped four times by Deontay Wilder. So for a guy who people say has no skill, he sure knows how to land that punch without skill. (laughs) He only has one punch. He sure knows how to land it. He's doing something right. That's because there is skill to Deontay Wilder's game. Deontay Wilder has an excellent jab, dare I say. Doesn't have the best jab in the sport. Doesn't have the best jab in history. But he has an excellent jab. He has a jab. Sets you up for the right hand. The dynamite is in the right hand. That left jab is there to gauge you. There to keep you at bay. And to set you up for the right hand. Because that right hand will land. Like Deontay Wilder says, you got to be perfect for 12 rounds. I only got to be perfect for one second. He only has to land that right hand one time, and it will knock anyone in the division out cold whose name isn't Tyson Fury. That's actually been proven. Every other guy in the ring with him has been knocked out, and Tyson Fury has been dropped four times. He also had, what, a 40-pound advantage over Deontay Wilder? And two of those times got up just before the ten. Put that in perspective when you talk about, oh, a guy has no skill. Well, he has enough skill to knock down the most skilled guy, according to everyone else, doesn't he? Granted, I'm a huge Usyk fan. Usyk is my personal favorite heavyweight. I think he's the most skilled. But I think it's fair to say the majority of people believe Tyson Fury is the most skilled guy. And like I said, I was knocked down four times, had a huge weight advantage. And that's the only reason he survived. Deontay Wilder. Also, to me, has an underrated left hook. I think it's something that he's been working on with his new trainer. Um, I think it was the first punch he throws in the trilogy of, of Tyson Fury. He definitely looked like he added some things offensively in that fight. One thing to me that didn't work in his advantage was the added weight. But I think that's like a, a catch-22 with the weight for Wilder because if he didn't, when he didn't have the weight on, he got ran through in the second fight. He didn't have the stamina or ability to hold up Tyson Fury, who was leaning on him and pushing him down and and really smothering his offense. So it's hard to say if the weight wouldn't have worked against him in the third fight or did work against him. Because while I think it slowed him down and made him a little bit more robotic, I think it also could have helped him sustain more damage and last longer in the fight, potentially. So I think he's going to come in more slimmed down in this fight. I think that works to his advantage. He's going to be more athletic. He's going to be more fluid in his shots. And like I said, Helanius moves his feet pretty well. Wilder can move as well, don't get me wrong. While he's known for the knockouts, that one fight that did go to the distance, 
before the, the first Tyson Fury fight, Deontay Wilder won the heavyweight championship on his back foot, really. He, he used his jab, and he boxed fairly well in that fight. He just he didn't press the action, I feel like, because he knew the moment. He knew what was in front of him, the world championship. He wanted to win by any means necessary, and that's what he did, behind a jab. So I think in this fight, the smart thing to do would be to start the fight using that jab early, testing the range of Hellenius, who is a big man himself, before you let that bomb right hand go. Another thing I want to see from Wilder is go to the body a little bit. Hellenius goes to the body extremely well, so that's something that Wilder will have to look out for. But I think Tyson Fury, excuse me, I think Deontay Wilder can use his jab to Hellenius's body early in this fight. Look for that. The prediction for me is a knockout by Deontay Wilder. I will say the sixth round, I think Hellenius is going to make it difficult in this fight at times, potentially push Wilder back against the ropes at times because he is he is legit and he is on fire. He's been on a roll the last few fights and he's been in the best shape of his life the last few fights. So I think Hellenius is going to come in firing. I think he'll probably win the first couple of rounds. But Wilder's going to land that right hand, and when he does, it will be lights out for the Nordic Nightmare. I think the only nightmares he'll be having is of Deontay Wilder's right hand when he's sleeping on the canvas Saturday night in Brooklyn. Also on that card in the co event is a good one, a 168-pound matchup between Caleb Plant and Anthony the Dog Durrell. This is a fight that has kind of been rumored for a few months now, and it's finally taken place. Caleb Plant coming off his loss to Canelo Alvarez. On that same card, Anthony Durrell scored a fantastic knockout of the year type candidate over Marcos Hernandez. Somewhere along the line between now and then, there's been some bad blood, mostly by Durrell. For some reason, he has something against Caleb Plant. Who knows if he's real about it? Who knows if he's just building it up for the fight? But he's been pretty pretty hard on, on Caleb Plant, calling him a bitch, calling him um, a sucker, saying nobody in the division likes him, stuff like that. Um, could be just selling the fight, like I said, but who knows? Caleb Plant seemed pretty lost about it. If you go back and watch the press conference, pretty entertaining stuff from both guys going back and forth. So I expect this to be a good one. Caleb Plant, known for the jab, known for his movement, known for his defense. And Anthony Durrell, the dog, as he calls himself, is also is known for being that. He's known for being an aggressive pit bull mentality type guy with power, but he also has skill as well. He could jab with you. He could box with you. He could box in the middle of the ring. He could fight up close. Darrell is a legit fighter, former world champion. I think this is the perfect opponent for Caleb Plant, who is coming off a loss, coming off a TKO loss at that. So he needs something to get back in the mix. He's not ready I wouldn't say, for a Benavidez fight right now. So I think this fight is the perfect step up to see, like, okay, are you ready to get in there with another top-level guy? You don't want to see a guy get hurt two fights in a row. That's not how you um, build a career back up. So I think this fight on a pay-per-view, the co-main for Caleb Plant, is the right recipe to get back in contention for a world championship. Darrell is the type of guy that if you're not on your A game, you are not going to beat him. And that goes for pretty much anyone in the division. If you're slacking at all in that division and you're in there with Anthony Durrell, you will lose the fight. So I think Caleb Plant needs to come out sharp 
and really make it so there's no debate about who's winning these rounds. And I think he's more than capable of that. I picked him against Canelo Alvarez. I was wrong on that. Um, but in that fight, I did score it closer than what the official judges had or what the even announcers had at that time. I thought Caleb Plant did exceptionally well in that fight, especially early. I don't think he was winning the fight, but I think it was very competitive, very close. Canelo Alvarez even has stated that it was very competitive in there with Caleb Plant. So if Caleb Plant wants to take it to the next level, there is some things he needs to work on. And one thing for sure is stamina. I don't know if it's his physical stamina or mental stamina, but it's happened many times now, and I thought he was past that. That's why I picked him against Canelo. But it was still apparent in that fight. He slowed down around the 8th round, 7th, 8th round. He slows down significantly. I don't know if it's a mental fatigue thing, if he just loses focus, but it's happened many times in Caleb Plant fights. These fights that go the distance. If, if this was a 6-round fight, I would put all the money in the world on Caleb Plant. But these are 10 and 12 round fights that he's competing in in this stage of his career. And the drop off from 1 through 6 to 7 through 12 is significant. I just can't pinpoint exactly what his issue is. This is a guy who's in shape all year round. This is a guy who doesn't get that extra cookie at dinner or something like that. This is a guy who is 24-7 in tip-top shape. So it's hard for me to imagine its stamina issue physically. But it might be, it could just be losing focus or something like that but that's something that he needs to fix if he slacks off against Darrell he could get hurt in this fight Darrell does have power that's one thing about Caleb Plant too he doesn't have huge power but he does have one of the best jabs he also has one of the best left hooks in the game this is a right-handed fighter with an exceptionally better left hand that's a rare thing usually you lead with your weaker hand your power and your dominant hand is behind you that's the opposite with Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant's left hand is by far his better hand with the jab and the left hook. The movement is one of the best in the division. Defense is one of the best in the division. I got Caleb Plant winning a unanimous decision on this one. Um, I'm hoping he can do it in style, but Durrell will be there all night. Do not sleep on Anthony Durrell. He does have the power to change the fight at any given moment, but I think Caleb Plant is more of the prime fighter here, more of the skilled fighter. He should get the job done in Brooklyn. But Brooklyn isn't the only place hosting fights this weekend. It is an international affair. We also have action in Australia and the UK. Let me start in Australia. We have the rematch for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world between Devin Haney defending his titles that he won off George Cambosos. He's defending him in a rematch as my dog is barking. Not barking, but what are you choking over there? This guy eating too many snacks. Well, like I was saying, we have Devin Haney versus George Cambosos, part two in Australia for all the gold at 135. The first fight was about as one-sided as scotch tape. Shout out to Kevin. Um, yeah, I expect more of the same in this fight. I actually think Devin Haney has a chance to stop Cambosos. Cambosos has to do something differently. Point blank period. He has to come in with something that makes Devin Haney think about putting on a boxing exhibition against Cambosos. He took this guy to school in his own home country, jabbed him to death, was fluid with his movement, touched, touched him to the body, kept spinning him around. It was really a how-to outbox 
a man. That's pretty much what it should have been called. It was incredible on Devin Haney's part. George Cambosos didn't show up barely at all in this first fight. He has a lot of explaining to do. He hasn't been uh, too vocal since that loss. Lost damn near every round on my scorecard. Maybe he won one round. That's the most I can give him in that first fight. He didn't do anything to deter Devin Haney's game. Devin Haney had a brilliant game plan, and it worked to perfection. Didn't have to adjust it because Cambosos didn't make any adjustments. So people can criticize Devin Haney all they want. He shut out the champion in his home country, blamed the, the former champion for losing in that manner. Don't blame Devin Haney saying it was a boring performance. You wanted this, you wanted that. No, blame the loser. <laughs> blame George Cambosos. Cambosos is the one who left those fans in Australia sitting on their hands. His own fans in his own country had nothing to cheer for because he didn't give them anything to cheer for. You got to go for it. It's in your hometown. You're the champion. You're getting outboxed. Are you going to let this guy just take your title, strip you of your titles, or are you going to put up some sort of fight for it? He didn't put up a fight for it. He sat there on the outside getting jabbed. There was nothing he can do. He looked discouraged. He looked flat-footed. He looked like he didn't belong in the same sport as Devin Haney. Never mind the same ring. So George Cambosos needs to land something big, and he needs to be super aggressive in this rematch to make it anywhere near close. Where is the Cambosos that upset Tiafimo Lopez? Where's the mentality? Like, Tiafimo and Devin Haney are totally different styles, totally different fighters. So you're not going to beat... Haney the same way, but where is the mentality of, listen, I have to do whatever it takes to win this fight, and I will not be denied. He did not have that mindset going into the first fight. Maybe he was nervous in front of his country. I don't know what it was, but he did not step on the gas and really go for it all. They say Devin Haney can't punch, so why isn't this guy jumping in the pocket and throwing combinations, sitting down in your punches, and really, or even making it rough and rugged in there, grabbing him, pushing him, do something in there to disrupt the rhythm of Devin Haney because this guy looked like he was just in a training session showing us how to jab. He was hitting a heavy bag in there, and the heavy bag name was George. So Cambosos has to do something differently. What's it going to be? I do not know. I think the first thing that he has to do is land a right hand early. Devin Haney's going to be throwing that jab, so you know the right hand over the top is going to be available. Throw it early and often. Make Devin Haney think about just sitting back and jabbing with you. Try to make Haney pay when he's going body head, when when he's lining up the body shot with his right hand and then coming back upstairs with a left hook. When he's throwing combinations like that, you have to fire back. Even if you're not landing every time, you have to fire at the same time. Throw when Haney throws. If you don't believe this guy's a big puncher, throw when he throws, and you'll be able to... You should be able to take something that Haney's throwing if you believe he doesn't have any power. You should be able to withstand some shots. You're going to have to take some to give some in this fight if you're George Cambosos. If he's not willing to do that, the same thing's going to happen. It's going to be a clean sweep again. I expect the same exact thing to happen. Devin Haney wins 9 to 10 rounds out of 12. Cambosos has to show me. I just don't believe that he has what it takes to do this. I think he's outskilled in this fight by a long shot. Horrible matchup for him. I'm surprised he took the rematch. Well, I can't say I'm surprised because I'm sure there's so much money involved that it does make sense for him to take it. But if there was another way for 
Cambosos to avoid the rematch. I'm surprised he didn't. As far as after the fight, it'll be interesting to see what Haney does. I personally believe that he's the type of guy that's going to be better at 140. I think he's stated it many times that he hurts his body cutting to 135, much like Tiafimo Lopez did, much like Ryan Garcia has said that he does. 135 for these guys as they're getting older, it has to be tough. So I believe you're draining your body to make the weight. So at 140, Haney, to me, is going to be much stronger and a little bit better than he is now. I think he should make the jump. I don't think there's really anything worth sticking around for. Shakur Stevenson just got the division, so he's not going to just get a title shot right away. Um, Vasily Lomachenko supposedly is is in line for a shot. He's got to fight Jermaine Ortiz first. But if I'm Devin Haney, I don't really... I think about the fight maybe, but I don't really give it too much thought before moving to 140 because... Vasily Lomachenko had the opportunity to fight Devin Haney in the past. Devin Haney was his mandatory, and Lomachenko decided to vacate that belt and designate himself as the franchise champion. The WBC title then was granted to Devin Haney because the champion did not want to fight him. That is why they called him the email champion. Now, Devin Haney has gone on a nice run, defeating Jojo Diaz, defeating Abdaliev, defeating Linares, and then defeating George Cambosos for all the belts, he's solidified as a champion. He's proven himself as a champion. Vasily Lomachenko doesn't offer anything at this point besides a name, and I feel like the narrative will switch if and when Devin Haney beats Lomachenko. People will say, oh, you know, Lomachenko isn't the same. Lomachenko is older now. Lomachenko's been away for a little bit. Uh, Devin Haney's the bigger man. Devin Haney used his reach advantage, Devin Haney is the younger fighter, the list goes on. I think the best bet for Haney, you're already undisputed champion, you've already proven yourself, there's nothing left to prove at 135, people can argue with themselves, this guy has all the belts, he's undisputed, meaning there is no dispute, so he can move up to 140, drop the belts, and join a stacked, loaded division and try to conquer that division, that to me will be more impressive. Um, leave 135 to the other guys like Shakur Stevenson who just got there. Lomachenko still wants to fight. Let him fight. Him and Shakur, to me, would be better for Shakur because Shakur would be a younger guy or, excuse me, a, a lower weight guy who moved up to fight Lomachenko, whereas Haney is a guy who is bigger, who's already going to move up, if, you, if that makes any sense. Haney's a bigger guy fighting a smaller guy, whereas Shakur was just at 130, so now he'd be moving up fighting a Loma. That would be more impressive in my book. Let me know what you guys think. I think 135 is fine without Haney, and 140 is one of the most stacked divisions talent-wise in the sport. So I think a lot of these big fights that we want from the younger guys are going to actually take place at 140 anyway. So if I'm Devin Haney, move up, stop killing your body, and move on to bigger and better things. So we go from Brooklyn to Australia, and last but not least, the UK. The ladies are taking over. This is going to be one of the best, not one of the best, this is going to be the best women's card in the history of boxing. And I know that's not saying much. Women's boxing has been rough in the history of the sport, so it's refreshing to see these big events taking place now. Earlier in the year, we had Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor put on a massive event in Madison Square Garden. That was an instant classic. That it was not, I don't believe that was an all-women's card, though. That was just two women headlining, and they stole the show, killed it. 
it was awesome. Great fight from Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. Shout out to them. But this weekend, you have an all-women's card, and you have two great fights taking place. You have Michaela Mayer against Alicia Bumgarner. These two have bad blood, been trash-talking each other on social media for a while. Uh, both Americans. Mayer, a slicker boxer. Bumgarner has power. She won her title by knocking out the champion by via upset. Vicious knockout. She was knocked out on her feet. The referee had to stop it because the, the woman she knocked out was completely confused, didn't know where she was, disoriented. Alicia Bumgarner has the bomb, has the power in her right hand. Expect that to be the difference. Michaela Mayer has the ability, though. She could win this fight on the outside. I just think it's going to be tough. I think Bumgarner is a little more um, athletic than than Mayer is, and I think she, her skills are a little bit underappreciated. She's more known for that power shot, but I think she can jab her way on the inside and land something big. Mayer, to me, doesn't have power, doesn't have um, anything that's really going to gonna keep Alicia off her. But I could be wrong. I mean, I haven't watched too many of these, these women fights, I have to admit, but I have enjoyed what I've seen from these four. And the other two are the main event, and that is Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. These two have extremely bad blood. Going back to the Olympics, Savannah Marshall defeated Clarissa Shields. That is Clarissa Shields' only boxing loss pretty much in her entire life, as far as I know. Um, Clarissa Shields calls herself the, quote, greatest woman of all time. She certainly is one of the greatest women I've ever seen. Her skills are, are to me, on a different level than every, any other woman in the sport. But again, I haven't seen much of these women. So Savannah Marshall may pack something that I haven't seen before. Um, I think the odds are pretty even. My money is on the American Clarissa Shields. I just haven't seen a woman that can mess with her. Savannah Marshall does have power. But she's the type of fighter that needs her legs planted at all times when she's throwing punches. She can't really throw on the move. I think Clarissa Shields is going to box circles around her. And I think I could actually see a stoppage late in the fight via a body shot from Clarissa Shields. I think her power is really being underestimated. She doesn't have many knockouts, but I think the accumulation in this fight is going to be big because she's going to go to the body. She's going to tire Marshall out if she's chasing Clarissa Shields around the ring and she's not going to be able to find her because like I said, she needs her legs planted Clarissa Shields has way more layers to her game than Savannah Marshall. Savannah Marshall needs to land something big early, and I don't see that happening. Beating someone in the amateurs is one thing, but professional ranks are totally different. Fight style is different. The rounds are different. I think Savannah Marshall is going to realize Clarissa Shields is in a league of her own when it comes to this women's boxing game. I would definitely tune into this card. If you were a little iffy on women's fighting, that's fine. I understand it's been a rough history for women's boxing. But we've seen the women in MMA shine. We've seen women in professional wrestling really rise to the occasion in the last few years. I think boxing is on that same trend moving forward, not backwards. I would give this card a look. If you don't like the co-main in the main event, that's fine. Don't watch again, maybe. But this is the time to give it a shot if you haven't before. Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor set the table earlier this year with a massive event that was a classic. Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, Michaela Mayer, and Alicia Bumgarner are here to 
finish the year strong, and make 2023 a year to look forward to for women's boxing. Check that fight out. That is, like I said, in the UK, so it's going to take place earlier in the day. I believe it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Then you have the Showtime pay-per-view event later in the evening. That is the Caleb Plant versus Darrell, headlined by Wilder Hellenius. And you also have on regular ESPN later in the night, Devin Haney versus George Cambosos, part two for all the belts at 135. An absolutely loaded boxing day this Saturday, October 15th. Tune in. Enjoy the fights. Subscribe to the podcast. Give me that five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. I will be back next week. Your boy's out.